I'm your host, Cardell Morgan, and today my guest is Aisha Jones. She is a friend of mine. A, uh, I met her back when I was in college, and uh, it was a time in my life where I was just being introduced to a bunch of people at the same time, and someone who I don't even remember introduced me to her, and we quickly on Facebook realized that we both really loved movies, and so she's on the podcast today. I'm really excited to have her on here. We're going to be talking about the Oscars. So that's exciting. That that just happened uh, Sunday, which was April 25th. And we're going to be talking about that today. And I'm so happy to have her on the show. She is originally from New Orleans, but right now she's living in Anchorage, Alaska. And she works for the University of Alaska. And I'm so excited, like I said before, to have her on the show and talk about the Oscars. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Cardell. And I'm very pleased to make my podcast debut. Uh, thank you for inviting me. This is a great opportunity. And I would like to start off my um, speech, my part of this, with a land acknowledgement. Um, I live and work on the land of the Denied People of Alaska. That's great. Um, I know we had talked about that before, um, that, um, acknowledging the, the land that, that we live on. And so I appreciate you doing that. Um, that's really great. And I wish more people would do it. And, yep, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I think we're going to jump right in. So, like I said earlier, we're talking about the Oscars. And as long as I've known you, you always do a prediction before the Oscars. Right. You always tag me in it, and I can look through it, right? And so that's something that um, is, is why I wanted to bring you on the show today is because I knew you, you were going to do that again this year. And I wanted to talk to you about it after the fact so that we, we, we could go over your predictions and things right. like that. And just, and just generally your impressions of, of the Oscars. So let's start off with why are the Oscars special to you? Oh, boy. And I think you're actually the first person to officially ask me that. I've thought about it over the years, um, especially when I really, truly got into the Oscars and started doing predictions that, you know, I share <laughs> with you every year. Um, well, movies have always been special to me. So, you know, even like as far as back as I can remember as a little girl, um, E.T. was the first movie I ever loved. And I just remember um, going on father-daughter dates with my dad and uh, with my father and just, uh like we would go out to lunch and we see a movie and just, just various like memories I have as, as a child of enjoying movies. And um, of course, you know, later on in life as an adult, movies have gotten me through some very difficult times in my life. So um, the passing of both my parents, um, other loved ones, of course, um, this pandemic, <laughs> all of us are, you know, have relied on entertainment to get us through this. So that's just in general, like how movies are special to me, how the Oscars are special to me. I really don't know. I, um, I came across them, like I really started paying attention to them, like um, in high school. So that's when I really um, kind of paid attention and was like, oh, this is something I like to watch. And um, I didn't do predictions back then. I just kind of like to watch the show and see some of my favorite um, actors win. Um, it pretty much started, I think, when I say the 1994 Oscars. So that's when... Um, Steven Spielberg won, finally won for Best Director um, and Best Picture for Schindler's List. Um, the national treasure that he is, Tom Hanks, won his first Oscar. Um, so it just sticks out as like the first Oscars that I really truly paid attention to. 
um, I had paid, I had paid attention to them and had liked them and um, followed them, you know, just kind of off and on before. But that was the one I truly like was the first one that I really was like, okay, I really love this. And this is going to be a thing for the rest of my life. Um, so that was that I didn't start doing predictions, I would say until maybe the mid to late 2000s. And I really didn't get good at them until about maybe 10 years ago. So that's when I started following certain people on Twitter and Facebook and certain blogs and paying more attention to what the Oscars, like their short lists and things like that. So I wasn't like picking things that weren't eligible, <laughs> which I was doing in the beginning. I was like, well, why wasn't that nominated? And like, oh, okay, because it wasn't eligible for whatever reason. So I started to finally get good at it when I started to pay more attention. And I have like binders of, you know, the different like precursor awards, like the, the Guild Awards and different societies and the craft categories. So it's like, it's truly like research for me now. Like if I, um, what I do for it every year is um, before the predictions, so I do predictions for the, the nominations and I do predictions for the winners. So compiling the information for the nominations is really like intensive. So, and then going through and then kind of like ranking who's going to probably get nominated and having alternates and it's, it's a real big process, <laughs> but it's a labor of love. I enjoy doing it. And, um, and I, like you follow me and I follow you, but there are other people um, that I follow and that they inspire me. And I just want to give them a quick shout out just in case they're listening. Um, Clayton Davis with, well, now he's with Variety. He's in the big leagues. Um, but he has, um, I was first introduced to him or first came across his um, award circuit um, blog that he used to do. And he's kind of now transferred that over to his work at Variety. And I actually saw him um, on ABC's red carpet coverage um, Sunday. And that was great to see him. Um, on TV, and he's been a, a member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association for years, and so I'm just really proud and happy uh, for him for that. So if he's listening to this, way to go, Clayton. So so happy for you. Um, Mark Johnson, also formerly of Award Circuit, now is with Awards Daily um, with Sasha Stone. Um, and then also uh, this past year, I've become um, more aware of uh, Mark Neglia with next best picture and eric anderson with awards watch so those are like the main people and then of course a variety of um facebook friends who also post and tag me in their things and so they know who they are i don't want to mention them by name but um if they're listening then i i like to thank them as well because they inspire me and i love that we go through this process every year <laughs> as much of a headache as it can be sometimes it's a it's a labor of love and it's a lot of fun and it's sad that when it's over <laughs> like it is this week so yeah, so that's yeah, that's my Oscars journey. I would say. Okay. Yeah. So, <clears throat> like you said, you do predictions. Mm-hmm. So, but before we go into what your predictions were, just generally, how accurate were your predictions this year? Ah, yeah. This is actually a year when I didn't do as well as I wanted to. Um, they did consolidate the sound category, so instead of twenty-four categories, there's twenty-three now. Um, and we'll talk about more about that later at the end of, of my thoughts about that. Um, but I got 17 out of 23. So I missed six categories. Some of them were like uh, late, like last minute kind of waffling back and forth. Like, oh, I'm going to change my mind in this person. But when, and a couple, a few of them were genuine surprises. Like no one pretty much for the most part had these people or these pictures or whatever predicted. So um, yeah, so I missed six. And I know some other people who, Miss um, Miss Six and there were there were a lot of uh, a, a busted kind of not brackets like it is for March Madness but uh, busted ballots I would say 
So um, yeah, we, we were all kind of thrown for a bit of a loop uh, with some of our categories and we'll definitely get into that in a bit. So, yeah. Well, well I mean, this year is, um, I, I think that's to be expected this year was odd because of the way 2020 was. Right. Um, almost no movie was released in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of movies got, a lot of movies that were supposed to be released in 2020 got pushed. And so uh, th- there was a joke me and my friends were making that they, they were like, uh, Sonic's going to win Best Picture at the Oscars <laughs> because there's no one else um, eligible. And right. So, I mean, just 2020 was a weird year for movies. And so, I mean, it truly was. Yeah. You and your you and your friends shouldn't take it too harshly that you your predictions didn't work out the way you thought because 2020 was a weird year. Yeah. Well, that's some. Yeah, that's some. Co- um, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. It's okay. We're just gonna go over uh, some of your predictions. I'm gonna start um, not with the top ones. I'm just gonna start at the lower categories, and then and then um, we can go for what you said was gonna, was, was gonna win, and then you can let us know who actually won. Does that work for you? Yeah, that's fine. All right, great. So, best animated feature film. You said Soul was gonna win. Yes, and Soul did win. And an interesting factoid about that, speaking to your point about uh, movies not playing in theaters. It's the first Best Animated Feature winner to not play in U.S. theaters. It did have some uh, film release um, in 2020 um, overseas, like in China and South Korea and Russia and some other countries. But it Mm -hmm. did not play in U.S. theaters. It went straight to streaming for Disney Plus on Christmas Day. And that was that. So, um, yeah, it's the first Best Animated Feature to not play in U.S. movie theaters. Oh, wow. There you go. Yeah, and it's also the third win for uh, Pete Doctor, the director. Um, he also mm. won the pass for Inside Out, and oh, I'm forgetting the other one that's, that's not coming to mind right now. But yeah, this is his third third okay. um, Oscar win. So, I think um, that that company is just just pumps out some quality animated films. And oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. I think they, they anybody can watch. I mean, I I watch Soul with my family, but I would have watched Soul without, like, if, if I didn't have a family, I still would have watched Soul. It's it's that good. It, it's yeah. A, it's a good movie. <clears throat> so, for Best Animated Short, you said, if anything happens, I love you. Yes, and that was the one that won. Um, yeah. I thought, I, I did see that I saw, it, I saw all of the animated shorts and all the live-action shorts the Saturday before the Oscars, so April 24th. Um, okay. The only one of the, and we'll get to the documentary feature, uh, sorry, the documentary short subject I only saw one of those, um, and it did not win, um, but we'll get to that in a bit. But yeah, if anything happens, I love you. Um, my second choice alternate that I thought could possibly be an upset um, in that category was opera. It's mm-hmm. a very thought-provoking political kind of, it's like you would have to see it and pay close attention because it's it's a lot of moving parts to it, um, but it's very good. So I thought if there were any upset win in that category, it would have been that. But um, many people had predicted if anything happens, I love you, uh, which is on Netflix, uh, would win and it did win. So, yeah. Okay. What about opera? Is that anywhere for people to watch? Opera is, oh, actually, um, yeah, I have a list um, of uh, like a checklist that um, another like site that I follow called The Golden Knight publishes every year. They publish a checklist. So they publish a checklist of um and it says here, like, check off and watch all 41, so this year, all 41 feature-length films and 15 shorts before the Oscars on April 25th. And so, um, opera, 
unfortunately it's not like i'm not like really on streaming service so like netflix has if anything happens i love you and they also have burrow which is on disney plus but the other ones um are on they always play on shorts.tv uh, backslash the oscar shorts so if you wanted to and i think that that platform is still they're still playing the um, even though the oscars have already you know concluded or whatever i think you can still watch them on that platform um and pay you know pay to pay uh pay to play <laughs> um to watch them so yeah the shorts.tv backslash the oscars shorts is where you can watch all 15 of the short films okay yeah and then best cinematography you said nomadland ah yes like the darling of the oscars even before they happened everyone was exactly and and well and yes and well deserved it it's an extraordinary film in its own right um but no mank uh, was a bit of a surprise win, uh, quote unquote, in that uh, Eric Messerschmidt won uh, in his feature film debut, no less, for Mank. Um, he did the, he did win the important precursor in that category, the from the American Society of Cinematographers, uh, which is usually a, a very ideal and spot on predictor for who wins the Oscar. Not always, but for the most part. And so that was kind of a bit of a surprise. And at the time of when that announcement came. Um, when they announced those awards was right in the middle or close to when uh, the Oscars voting was going on from April 15th to April 20th. So it was, it was also an example of good timing for him to be like, Oh, look, this is the person that won like the important precursor for that category. And then ultimately won the Oscar. So yeah. And for, and for his feature film debut in a beautiful striking black and white film, it's just, uh, it's make is just chef's kiss. <laughs> it, m- Mank is the one that I know least about. I, I don't really know anything about Mank. I've heard uh, yeah. people talking about it, mm-hmm. but I don't know anything about it. Yeah, and that's the one on Netflix. It's about Herman Mankiewicz, who is the um, Oscar-winning screenwriter for Citizen Kane. So mm. it's, it's yeah, so if you haven't, and Citizen Kane is considered one of the best films of all time, certainly on my list. So it's, it's yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, a movie about Hollywood, and Hollywood loves that. They love to honor uh, movies about Hollywood, like Argo, when... Um, well, not about Hollywood, but um, uh, Broadway, um, Birdman, and it, it goes on, the list mm-hmm. goes on. They love to honor movies about Hollywood. So uh, Mank was certainly uh, one of those. And yeah, so Citizen Kane, so that's a good, like, kind of like um, a twofer. So watch Citizen Kane first and then watch Mank. So, yeah. So I'm going to deviate from the Oscar talk for just a, a little bit. Okay. Um, Citizen Kane's in the news recently. It lost its hundred percent rating yes. on Rotten Tomatoes. Someone wrote a bad review for it, and now it's <laughs> below one hundred percent. Yes, I saw that. And uh, Paddington Two, I believe, was the one who uh, replaced it as having like officially one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. I saw a blurb about it. I'm like, oh, really? Like after all this time, especially, <laughs> like, right? You know, like it must have been somebody who was watching it um, in relation to Mank. Maybe I, that's my guess. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's that's unfortunate because it's definitely one of those um, those really great pictures that deserves to have a very high ranking. That is unfortunately now not one hundred percent, but yeah, um, well, boohoo. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. So the next one, I I know the next category. I, I know you're excited about about, about this one. Uh, best costume design, my rainy's black bottom. Yes. That's what so you that... said was going to win that. Yes, I did say it, it would win. Uh, that was one like early on that um, was like a favorite. And and Roth, um, the woman who designed uh, those costumes, she is now the oldest woman to win a competitive Oscar, and she is tied 
with James Ivory um, overall in terms of the oldest winner um, at age 89 at the time of their win uh, to win. James Ivory won um, a few years ago for uh, adapted screenplay for Call Me, um, Call Me By Your Name. Uh, so yeah, that's what uh, he won for. So now they are the oldest Oscar winners overall um, yeah. at age 89 at the time of their competitive Oscar wins. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you were telling me something else. Uh, oh no, that's a different category. We'll, we'll get to that later. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, best documentary feature, you said My Octopus Teacher? Yes. And so that did win. I haven't seen that yet. That's on my list uh, to see. I have um, quite a few of the uh, the nominees to still kind of catch up on. Um, I did, fortunately, uh, had the chance to see um, all the Best Picture nominees before the Oscars. I always kind of make a concerted effort to do that um, before the nominations come out. So I did see all eight Best Picture nominees um, in theaters or on streaming um, before the Oscars, before the nominations, and then got to revisit them again uh, during Cinemark's Oscar Movie Week, um, the week before the Oscars. So yeah, but yeah, best uh, uh, my octopus teacher is on Netflix. Um, I've heard some conflicting things. Also, some people who really love it. Some people are like, eh, among the documentaries that were nominated, it's might it uh, it's not really the best. So it depends on who you ask. Um, okay. But it's definitely on my list to see. Um, I hear it's really heartbreaking, especially at the end. So I'm definitely looking forward to to seeing it. But yes, I did correctly predict that, <laughs> thankfully. Okay. You know, you said you didn't do that well this year, but I mean, <laughs> I think I think if I'm if I'm keeping count right, I think you only missed one so far, right? Well, so far, yes, we're get, we're getting to the the nitty gritty of where I I I and other people lost our uh, our office pools or whatever. <laughs> okay. All right. Best documentary short subject you said a love song for latasha was going to win right so either that i know a lot of people had a um a concerto uh, is a yes concerto. that one a lot of people had that one and i was kind of like uh you know, like i wasn't really um really sold on that so i, I just kind of went for and a love song for latasha is another one that's on netflix mm-hmm. um so i was just like oh no but yeah the surprise winner really kind of came out of left field for a lot of people was colette um really? Yeah, uh, that that was the one that won. So that was a surprise to many of us. We're like, whoa. Um, and that is actually on um, The Guardian. So Colette, uh, for the documentary short subjects, Colette is um, streaming uh, via The Guardian, uh, their website. A Concerto is a conversation is available through New York Times. Uh, Do Not Split is available um, fieldofvision.com, I believe. Hunger Award, which is the one that I did see. Um, is uh, now streaming on Paramount Plus. I was able to catch a screener of it um, through another um, website uh, beforehand, but that's um, it's available on uh, Paramount uh, Plus. And of course, love, like I said, love song, love song for Latasha is available on Netflix. So yeah, but Colette, yeah, it really kind of surprised everybody. <laughs> like, whoa, yeah. It, <clears throat> this is the one that I heard people talking about, and this is the first time. I don't know if you realize, I don't know if you had the same thing going on when, you, when people were talking to you. It's the first time I've ever heard people talking about best editing a lot. Mm-hmm. And you said that Sound of Metal was going to win, and that's the one that I heard everyone say was like, Sound of Metal is going to win best editing. I have not seen Sound of Me- uh, Metal. I've heard it's fantastic. It is. It's and it's another it. one, like, at the end, it will just, like, gut you. <laughs> and that's, Riz Ahmad is a... Oh yeah, I actor. love Rizm. Oh, I love I've loved I loved him when he won his Emmy um on the night of the limited series. Oh, the HBO. night of oh, that oh it's so good. I know. If you and have he... HBO or HBO Max now, I guess it's called, watch this short series The Night of. It's yes. an amazing show. He did a great job in it. 
Um, yes. Sorry. I just oh, no, want to pump okay. that because I love one, that show. <laughs> that's a wonderful tangent to go off of. Yeah, he was. He was actually, and like I said, he won an Emmy for that. Um, he's, and even like as a musician, he's actually pretty, you know, that's actually how he got to start. He's, he's actually, so this, um, his being, uh, playing a drummer um, in the film was actually, um, he was able to use his, his musical talent um, to good use. But yeah, Sentimental won. Um, the potential upset that could have happened in this category would have huh. been from the trial of the Chicago Seven, which was another extraordinary great uh, Best Picture nominee. Um, in that, that editing in that was absolutely superb. So, and that was the one that won the um, for the cinematography, uh, not cinematography, sorry, the cinema editors, um, their um, Society Award trial of Chicago 7-1. So people were thinking like, oh, could there possibly be an upset? But ultimately, Sound of Metal did win. That's what they went for. Um, and because of that, like that was basically the best chance that the trial of Ch the Chicago 7 had for a win, but it ended up not winning anything. So that was the, it was the one Best Picture nominee that got shut out. So, mm, there you yeah. Go. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yep. Because uh, it was set up I mean, if you watch movies long enough, certain movies are set up to win. Right. You know? Yeah, that's true. So they, um, that movie was set up to win. I'm surprised it didn't win anything. That's interesting. Um, <clears throat> so for Best International Feature Film, you said Another Round, which is another movie um, with um, Mads Mikkelsen. I guess yes. That's great. Uh, great actor. People will probably he's, recognize he's him. He's a very great actor. <laughs> Yes, as uh, Le Chiffre in um, in the James Bond uh, in um, oh, Casino Royale. Yeah, yeah. Christi yeah. Who was that? In, in Casino Royale, yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say Hannibal. Yes, Hannibal. Yes, Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter in the series Hannibal. That's right. He's he's on that too. And he was also, I, I want to say, Kaecilius in Doctor Strange. Yeah, in Doctor Strange. Strange. Yeah. Yes. Which... So he's he's one of those like, like oh, I know I know that face, but you might not know his name. But people are definitely going to know his name now um, from another round, which did win. So another round did okay. win. It's from Denmark. Um, and, uh, Interesting fact, concept for the film. yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> and that's another one that I, I, that's on my list to see. So another winner, um, so, um, that I need to see. So another round, um, and actually, um, people don't know like, oh, he's, he, he danced in the, he, um, it danced in the movie. Like he's actually a trained gymnast and a dancer. That was actually his start before he was an actor. So he actually was able oh, yeah. to put those skills to good use as Riz Ahmed did. And uh, the sound of metal, his musician skills. So who knew? Like little known facts about you know many of these actors, people don't really know, aren't aware of. But yeah, they were able to translate those talents into um, these movies. So yeah, another round. And I think that's on. I want to say it's on Hulu, but I'm not sure if that's yes. True. It's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. Yeah. Uh, best live action short film. You put two distant strangers. Did yes. That win? Uh, and that was the one that won. Uh, that was one of the you know powerful speeches of the night. Um, that's on Netflix. Um, I was able to catch a screener of that before it bowed on Netflix. But yeah, that's the one. Um, it definitely speaks to Black Lives Matter. Um, it's very powerful. It's very jarring. Um, I was able to see it again on the big screen um, during the Cinemark Oscar Movie Week, and it just it hit me all over again. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely if you know have the chance to check it out on Netflix. It, it it'll get you it'll it'll get you in the feels as they say so very good very good film okay um i haven't seen that one um but i have your whole list here so i any ones <laughs> i haven't seen I'll, I'll i'll go through yeah um this is okay this is the category that i was like 
I knew you had some words, some some stuff, good stuff to say. Right. I, I knew you had something to say. Best makeup and hairstyling. You said Myrene's Black Bottom was going to win. Yes, and it did win. And it's the uh, first time that two, um, so Black female, um, or just Black people in general, um, were nominated and won. So, and I grew up, like, my mom was a hairdresser. And so I grew up in the world of hair and, you know, like, you know, the Chris Rock documentary, Good Hair and Hair Shows and all that. I'm familiar with all that. So it's very surprising to me that it's taken this long for not only for them to be nominated, but to win. Um, it's quite remarkable, but glad that it finally happened. But um, yeah, so that was uh, an interesting factoid about that and glad that it finally happened. That something that we as people are very familiar with <laughs> finally translated to something very major and important. So yeah, congratulations yeah. to those two and to the gentleman also who, who won in that category. So yeah. Um, best production design. You said Mike was going to win. Yes, and Mank did win. And that was another one that people uh, thought that um, Tenet um, mm -hmm. might win, uh, but ultimately Mank did win, and deservedly <laughs> so, because they were able to recreate um, the Hearst Castle that's in San Simeon, California, and um, never, never have been there, but uh, it's on, like, my bucket list to kind of, like, maybe visit or whatever um, in California. But, yeah, they, and just, like, how it was shot in black and white and just, oh, it's just so beautiful. It's so they, they truly, it's, that's great that they won and, and uh, big congrats to them for that uh, beautiful, excellent production design. I have been to Hearst Castle. Oh, you have? Oh, wow. I have. It's huge. Yeah, I've, I've heard. <laughs> um, the property is huge. Mm -hmm. um, when you ride up, um, there's like a bus you have to ride up. Um, mm -hmm. You ride up. You, you can't take your car up there, so you ride a bus up there. And Alex Trebek is the narrator of the oh, little thing. Yeah. And so oh. Alex Trebek's talking to you about it. it um, it's a really nice home. It's huge. I, I think I already said that. It, it's it's on um, a large plot of land. But once mm -hmm. you get once you get up there. You can see the ocean from there because it, it, it's like on a hill. Yeah. And just beautiful views. Oh, and wow. I, there was a spot where like I was looking out in the ocean from that spot. And I was like, I don't want to leave this spot. It's beautiful. The sun was out. It, it was the water was, oh, it was beautiful. Um, if, you, if you do live in California, if you ever get out there, um, obviously there, there's lots of doing California. But if you want to um, go to Hearst Castle, it, it's a fun experience. Yeah, uh, that's definitely on the, on my bucket list um, in terms of places. I've lived in California before, but never like ventured into Hollywood or, you know, any of those areas. And so that's definitely on my list. And the new Academy Museum, uh, which opens on my birthday, it's that the, the date got pushed and pushed and pushed, but it's actually officially opening on September 30th. Um, so it, that's not going to happen for me this year, but eventually um, I would definitely love to, to visit that. I just think it's going to be like being a kid in candy store and just having my eyes wide open and uh like yeah i can't wait to for to see what that's going to be like when it opens so yeah yeah all right uh best original score you said soul was going to win yes and soul did win and big congrats to uh, my fellow new orleanian john baptiste um oh, yes. well, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> 504 represent um, and the interesting factoid about uh, his win is that he's the second Black composer to win in this category. Uh, Herbie Hancock was the first to win um, for his score for, um, oh, I, I, I want to say another uh, um, Round Midnight. I was, I was thinking of another, <laughs> I was getting my rounds mixed up, um, Round Midnight. So uh, mm. Herbie Hancock and now John Baptiste are the, um, the two Black composers to win. Um, and he also, uh, John Baptiste, I loved his speech too. 
um, and just hearing it in that New Orleans, you know, New Orleans accent and just, I was mm-hmm. all about it. So <laughs> yeah, congrats, congrats to him for that. He, and you know better than I, I, I could be wrong. Isn't he the, doesn't he plays the piano in that film? He, Not yeah. Jamie Foxx. He plays the piano. So if you right. think the piano playing is beautiful in that film, which it, it is, mm-hmm. it's him. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, Jamie in his own right is, is uh, you right. know, how yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Because yeah, he, yeah, he right. can play. So right. people probably assumed it was him, but it, it, it was not him. Nothing, nothing against Jamie Foxx piano playing, but it, it wasn't. <laughs> right. Yes, and John Petty, he's also the, um, I guess, the musical director on um, Stephen Colbert's Late Night Show. And so, um, yeah, I, he, he had a segment. Um, Stephen interviewed him uh, on Monday Night Show and said, hey, congratulations and everything. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty, pretty big deal. It's pretty awesome. Very happy for him. So. Yeah. <laughs> So, this is one that I had also a random, not major category that I heard people talking about um, say we're going to win. And it act, I don't know if it did, but you predicted. You said best original songs speak now from One Night in Miami. Right. So, that's most people had that. Most people thought Leslie Odom Jr. Jr. of his two uh, nominations um, that he was going to win that, and he did not. However, a very good song in its own right. And uh, her for Fight for You from Juice and Black Messiah, which I loved. I mean, mm. when I first heard that, I was just like, this song is fire. I love this song. Um, so it just like it's like a throwback to the 70s and just like um, like all the musicians that she referenced in her speech and everything. And oh, yeah, I just I'm I'm like obsessed with that song. And uh, I love her outfit that she wore. That was a tribute to Prince. So uh, another uh, he was he won an Oscar uh, back in the day. People don't know that or don't remember that. But he was an Oscar winner. Um, so yeah, it was just a great, and just for her to, at her age, you know, she's 23 and she's like so accomplished because the, she won two Grammys, including song song of the year, um, on March 14th, which was the day before the Oscar nomination. So she had a big night before then. So she won two Grammys and then the morning after she won, uh, she got an Oscar nomination and now she's an Oscar winner. And so she's half, halfway through to, uh, an EGOT and she's expressed thoughts that she had, like she would love to act and that. She definitely has her sights on the EGOT one day. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm happy for her. So, um, yeah, surprising, but not um, not upsetting, not, I would say. Not, <laughs> not unwarranted, but it's surprising. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, what's the next one we got here? Oh, uh, Best Sound, Sound of Metal. Yes, and that's one that did win. And, oh, wow, it's just, uh, when you see it, you'll know, because the sound in it and the way it's edited, and even in the quiet moments where there is no sound, is remarkable. So it's probably one of the best sounding and lack of sounding <laughs> uh, films I've ever seen. It truly, yeah, it well-deserved. And it was uh, really good because Riz Ahmed was the one who announced that category, and he was able to like kind of like congratulate and uh, hug or yeah, shake the hands of the people who won. So his reaction to their winning uh, was was pretty cool. So yeah, uh, congratulations to the sound designers for that excellent excellent job on that. All right. So this is the last one of the lower tiered categories, and then we're going to move on to the big ones. Yeah. Um, and this is also one of the lower categories that I had heard people talking about, and mm-hmm. um, I deserved it. I, I believe it deserved. I believe your nomination deserved it. You said best visual effects was going to go to Tenet, and 
I thought Tenet did a pretty good job. Yes, and Tenet was the winner. Uh, yeah, and, and that was the movie that, uh, for most of us, when theaters opened back up after lockdown in September, Labor Day weekend, that was like the major film that opened. And I remember seeing it and seeing it in IMAX. And I was like, holy cow, this movie is amazing. So uh, there were definitely some thoughts about the sound. Um, speaking of sound, going back <laughs> yeah. to the previous category. Um <laughs> that uh that was an issue in terms of like not being able to hear the dialogue and you know kind of like drowning out the sound and and things but i will say to that point um that ludwig gorenson's uh score was amazing especially hearing that in imax and then also seeing the oscar-winning visual effects of tenant um on the big screen was just it was yeah it was amazing so say what say what people will about you know like what they thought of it or (laughs) and how mind-blowing and how mind-boggling tenant was but those visual effects were spot on. I mean, they were just, they were superb. So it was either that or um, The Midnight Sky was also one that uh, was thought that if there were a potential upset in that category, that The Midnight Sky, which is on Netflix, uh, would have won. But ultimately, Tenet did win and deservingly because it just, yeah, I I love it. I'm a big Christopher Nolan stan. So I was all about it. And this is actually, I wanted the third of his films, I want to say, that has won a visual effects. Um, The Cinematic Love of My Adult Life, Inception, was the first. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. um, Interstellar won uh, visual effects as well. So, yeah. was a great movie. Yeah, yeah. I recently, it it was on iTunes. I'm I'm an iTunes guy. Um, Mm -hmm. It was on iTunes for like eight bucks. I was like, I'm buying that movie. (laughs) Interstellar for eight bucks? I'm buying that. Um, Yeah. The Academy kind of doesn't like Christopher Nolan. Is that the impression that you have? Um, they I think they have a certain respect for him in terms of um, they do. I I don't think they they adore him the way they adore uh, as far as directors are concerned, like right, uh, right. Martin Scorsese or like Quentin Tarantino or you know ones that always consistently get nominated for best director when they have a, a film come out. But because it finally it wasn't until Dunkirk that Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan finally was um, was nominated for best director. Um, he had uh, had previous nominations for writing, you know, of course, for Inception. And, um, of course, there was, you know, all the talk uh, back when The Dark Knight uh, got mm-hmm. snubbed for some major categories, namely Best Picture, um, back in, in for Best Director. And so, but uh, I wouldn't say that they don't like him. It's just, like, it's it's hard for him to break through, like, in those categories, like, so for Best Director. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he just has the one nomination um, when he should have been nominated for Best Director for Inception and some, you know, other ones too, and for Dark Knight or whatever. But um, I think they've come around, and he's very um, so. But his his movies tend to do well uh, more so, like in the below the lines, so like the craft categories that we've just discussed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so like visual effects, cinematography, um, they tend to do well in that. So um, yeah, I, I, it, it's kind of with them with the Academy in terms of their recognition of Christopher Nolan is hit or miss. Um, but it was nice eventually that he did get that recognition that he deserved. Um, as best director for Dunkirk, so yeah, it eventually did happen. It just was a little late. <laughs> yeah. All right. Top eight. Yes. We're gonna start. We're gonna kick it into gear. Yes. All right. Best adapted screenplay. You said Nomadland was gonna win. Uh yes, and that's a, pr- a prediction that many people had. Um, actually, but the winner was actually the father, and there were some mm-hmm. of my, you know, like I said, my Facebook friends or people that I follow that actually did pick that. Um, and it, it I think it had the benefit of uh, winning the BAFTA, so mm-hmm. it, that was in the like the major kind of precursor that preceded Oscar nominations because the BAFTA or no, I say os- the Oscars because um, 
the uh, the BAFTAs were two weeks two weeks before the Oscars, so they were April 11th, and so in the, it would there were a few days before Oscar voting began on April 15th, and so it was like fresh in the Oscar voters' minds, perhaps, and so that could possibly be a reason why uh, it was like a quote unquote upset winner over Nomadland, but because Nomadland had won um, some other you know screenplay awards leading up to the BAFTAs, and then of course ultimately the Oscars, um, Chloe Zhao did not win. Um, but it when uh, well, I don't know, but we'll get to that. But uh, so yeah, it um, it's a quote unquote upset, but not probably the biggest upset of the night. But um, yeah, no, so uh, yeah, so uh, one that I missed, but definitely, I think it definitely had the advantage of winning the BAFTA and a surprise win and having that kind of giving it momentum towards the Oscars. So yeah. All right, moving right along. There we go. <laughs> Best original screenplay. You said a promising young woman. Yes, Emerald Fennell, and that was the one who won. Uh, she won uh, first award of the night, I believe. Yes, and um, yeah, well deserved. And I thought she looked very uh, pregnant, chic, in her uh, her gown, her pink and green, my colors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I was like, oh yes, wear my colors, yay! Um, so yeah, well deserved. Um, probably my favorite film of twenty 2020 twenty slash twenty twenty one season uh, award season. Uh, yeah thought-provoking, funny, controversial. I mean, just like it, it runs the gamut. It, it checks a lot, a lot of boxes, uh, that screenplay. And uh, yeah, I just, it well-deserved. I was all about it winning and I'm glad that Emerald Fennell did win. So very big uh, major congrats to her on that win. So, All right. Best Supporting Actress. I'm going to say this. If I butcher it, please forgive me. <laughs> okay. Um, my cultural I- ignorance will be evident. Uh, Yoon Jung Yao? Uh, close. Uh, Yoo Jung Yoon. Even I'm not as uh, probably well-versed as saying her name as I should be. But yeah, Yoo Jung Yoon. Um, she did win. Uh, and she's also the first uh, South Korean actress to do so. And she also had a great speech. I loved her speech. Um, and I, I, I kind of, I was rooting for her. Uh, when I first saw Minari uh, uh, during a screener, um, and I, and there was a Q and A afterwards, and just she was just on fire the entire time. I'm like, wow, I'm really rooting for her. And this was before the Oscar nominations, um, and so she's like, wow, you know, I'm rooting for her just because I want to hear her give a great speech. <laughs> and ultimately, that's ha- that's what happened. Like she gave a great speech, and uh, she won, and it was just a great moment. Um, so yeah, very uh, congratulations to her. And just kind of like an unfortunate side note. Um, to uh, to the supporting actress category is that uh, Glenn Close uh, for her loss in that category is now tied with the late Peter O'Toole for the most acting combinations at eight without winning. So womp womp. Um, yeah, for every win, <laughs> somebody winning, somebody uh, has to lose or not win. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. Glenn Close is, uh, so she's making history in that regard uh, of being tied. Yeah, and a very unfortunate tie. I, I'm sure Glenn Close wants that Oscar, and oh yeah, definitely. and I'm sure, I'm sure she's deserving for oh, yeah. many performances. But I will say this: I doubt her not winning an Oscar will hurt her career in any way, or even her legacy in any kind of way. Exactly, People, exactly, absolutely. So I think I think she'll be fine. Yeah, uh, the the actress that won um, deserved it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I've I've not seen the film, but um, I've heard people do nothing but praise her performance, though. Yeah, she definitely 
which mm-hmm. is surprising because when that movie was first announced, I'm a big fan of um. Now nah, I can't even think of his name. Stephen Young from uh, Young, Walking yeah. Dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I completely blanked on his name. Uh, I'm a big fan of his because he he actually does really good work as an actor. Um, right, he does. People just think of him from um, Walking Dead, but he actually has been in a, some really good films. Yeah. Uh, so if you see him in some, give him a chance because he's a really good actor. So when I first saw the trailer of him, I was like, oh, it's probably going to be a standout for him, right? Mm-hmm. But after the movie came out, I nobody I heard no one talking about him. All I heard was people talking about um Yeah, for usually yeah, and she definitely sold the yeah. show. She and uh, the the little boy, Alan Kim, who played the son in the movie. Um okay. yeah, they, they were definitely the the two like highlights of a very extraordinary, excellent film. Definitely. Okay. Best supporting actor. This was kind of controversial, this nomination. I think, or am I thinking of like the Golden Globes? Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Take that back. I could <laughs> That's okay. Um, best supporting actor. You said Daniel Kaluuya. Yes, Daniel Kaluuya. He and he did win. He swept the board. He he won all the major ones. So he won. And the, well, I think what you're thinking of with the Golden Globes is that his speech. Yeah. So that was like, the, yeah, they um, it was Zoom, and that was just horrible. <laughs> um, uh, and he, yeah, they, he was muted basically. And so he was giving his speech and it was muted the entire time. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's his first of, um, leading all the way to the Oscars. So, uh, Golden Globes, Critics' Choice, Screen Actors Guild, BAFTA, and then Oscar. So a clean sweep for him. And, um, he's the first black British actor to win, um, in the acting category. So we have, um, African-American actors and actresses who mm-hmm. won in the acting categories, but he's the flag, the first black british actor to win and he also gave another great speech of course you know everybody's talking about uh how he thanked his mom and dad for having sex and then their reaction like him his mother and his sister reacting that was priceless so um but yeah uh the great performance uh judas and black messiah excellent film uh the yeah the controversy i think with um also with that particular category um in terms of category fraud uh, was that um, a surprisingly um, a surprise nomination, a welcome nomination, but nevertheless a surprise? Uh, Lakeith Stanfield, so his co-star, uh, who mm-hmm. was also with him in Get Out. They had that famous scene uh, together, Get Out. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lakeith, uh, but they he was campaigned for lead actor, and he is the lead actor, and, and it's his you know his story, or whatever, as the titular you know uh, Judas um, to uh, Daniel's Black Messiah. So. Yeah, when that was that was probably like the biggest surprise in, in terms of nominations. I was like, "What?" We were all kind of like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, because we we had yes. him, like many of us had him for lead. Not likely that he was going to be nominated, um, and he wasn't. But it was just like, "Wow, okay." <laughs> so that that's was actually the, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, of. they like, nominated uh, both no. the two <laughs> main actors for supporting, and that there was no uh, best actor nominee in that film. Right, yeah. So that, yeah, that's definitely like one of the like better examples of category for which the Oscars are like notorious for that. They're notorious for nominating people, um, and that's part partly because of how the studios market people or whatever. It's so like when Viola Davis won for Fences, that was you know such a, like they had campaigned her for supporting, thinking that it was a better chance for her to win, and she did win, um, and decided not to take the chance um, in a very otherwise stacked Best Actress race. But she was like truly like you know for her and Denzel's characters they were equals in that sense but yeah I mean that's a whole other topic for another conversation at another time but yeah that's, like, a, that's a really that, good movie too yeah yeah that, yeah Fences was a was a, a great one so yeah uh but yeah great uh 
proud of proud of Daniel. He's just I. He is such a chameleon. He is such a great act. I mean, to, and to only be, uh, I think he's thirty two years old. He had to be as young as he is and so accomplished, and now officially an Oscar winner. So it's great. Mm-hmm. So so happy for him. And congrats to him. Hats off to him. Oh yeah. Big All time. right. <clears throat> I'm a, I'm gonna quote you here. These are your words. The absolute most difficult category to predict this year. Yes. Best actress. Yes. You, you say Carrie Mulligan was going to win. Right. Uh, she did not. Frances McDormand won. Um, and uh, tidbit about that. She is the first actress to win best actress and best picture as a producer uh, for the same film um, on the same night. Uh, and that's the first person to do. So I think there's, and I can't remember who it was, but um, there is somebody else like an actor and actress who has won um, both, you know, an acting and producing um, award, but not for the same film. So, mm-hmm. and I think George Clooney might be one of those people. But anyway, um, so yeah, she has that distinction. And also, this hasn't been verified. I saw this as a question posed on one of my uh, Facebook friends. Um, he's like a great stats guy. Um, that she and husband Joel Cohen, the of the famed Cohen brothers, mm-hmm. are probably the first husband-wife duo to win Best Picture. Uh, Oscars. So uh, Francis did it for Nomadland and uh, Joel Cohen did it for No Country for Old Men with brother Ethan Cohen. So oh. that hasn't been verified. So nobody like at me <laughs> if that's not true. Um, but okay. it probably is. And if that is great, then that's another um, another great tidbit. But yeah, going back to the category in general. Uh, yeah, this category. And it was a headache for a lot of people because basically like to the very end, it, it was all over the place. So Andrew Day was the one who won the Golden Globe to start off with um, in terms of the five actresses who were nominated. Um, and that was basically consistent throughout award season. So Andrew Day won the Golden Globe. Sorry, um, excuse me. Um, Critics' Choice went to, I want to say, Carrie Mulligan. Um, Screen Actors Guild went to Viola Davis. BAFTA went to Francis. And again, as it did um, with the father winning screenplay, um, that probably gave her momentum leading toward um, up to the Oscars um, in terms of people making those final votes and deciding who's going to win. Um, there is some thought that that probably had something to do with it. The only one who was left out in the cold uh, who didn't win anything of any consequence um, who's nominated was Vanessa Kirby uh, for Pieces of a Woman, uh, which is on Netflix. She was the one who kind of left, uh, got left out of the, the five who didn't win anything, but it kept, it, it was going back and forth like nobody really knew. And ultimately it came down to uh, it, people kind of considered it a two-way race or maybe a three-way race between Carrie, Francis, and Viola. Uh, there was some thought that, yeah, definitely that Andra and Vanessa just didn't have a stand, a stand chance uh, with the three of them. And so really with that two-way or three-way race, depending on how you look at it, it really did go down the wire and nobody really knew. And this was one that a lot of people missed. So most people either had Carrie Mulligan and I had her or they had Viola Davis. Um, but I would say like the minority of people um, had Francis and Francis won. So yeah, that was just like the, usually it's best actor that is like a really stacked race, but like this year uh, it was, it was actress, actress, actress all the way. And just nobody really knew <laughs> until the very end. And that's what happened. So, yeah. All right, here we go. Yeah, here we go. This is the one that people have been talking about nonstop. Yes. Since Sunday. Yes. Uh, best actor. You said mm-hmm. Chadwick Boseman was going to win. Yes, as did mostly everybody most, else. <laughs> most people in the world said that he was going to win that. 
Yes, and unfortunately, uh, that did not happen. Um, uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins won for the father in a very, I mean, excellent, excellent performance. He also won the BAFTA. So again, there's there's thinking that, so for the father in terms of winning screenplay, for Sir Anthony Hopkins winning the BAFTA for actor, and that's not unusual for the BAFTAs. I mean, they tend to honor their own. They tend to honor British actors over um, American actors, as you know, that's, that's understandable. Um, so that was a surprise, but yet it kind of wasn't because like, oh, it's the BAFTA. I'm like, okay, whatever. People still, like some people, myself included, kind of shrug that off like, okay, well, whatever. Chadwick's is still going to win the Oscar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but nope, didn't happen. And, and another side note about that. Um, now, Sir Anthony Hopkins is the oldest actor or actress, in that, so overall thespian, if you will, to win a competitive Oscar at age 83. So he is the oldest person in the acting category to win. Uh, with his Oscar, um, his Oscar win, and um, yeah, we can we can talk about that. We'll we'll wrap up with the other categories and we'll revisit this later on. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> but yes, that that oh. that threw a lot of people for a loop, and then and not in a good way. But we'll get to that a bit later. <laughs> Best director, you said Chloe Zhao was going to win. Yes, and she did win. Um, she and she in doing so, she's the second woman and the first woman of color to win. And now there have only in the ninety-three year uh, history of the Academy Awards, there are now only seven women. So she and Emerald Fennell were both nominated this year. The first time that two women were nominated uh, for Best Director the same year. So prior to them, it was only five women and one woman to win, Catherine Bigelow for The Hurt Locker um, back mm-hmm. in the uh, two thousand ten Oscars. So yeah, long time coming for it to be a woman of color and also for um, a second woman to win. So, yeah. And hopefully it won't be like every, t- you know, hopefully it'll be more frequent than that, yeah. um, that women are nominated and win once, or whatever. Yeah. Once a decade. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. so very big congrats to her on that. So, yeah. All right. This is the one. Everyone knows who won this one. Um, it was, like I said, it was, it was the darling of this award season. I think everyone was praising this film, but we're going to go over it anyway. <laughs> yeah. All right. Best picture, you said Nomadland was going to win. Okay. So, yeah, Nomadland, uh, that was the darling of the award season. It won. Uh, it's another cl- clean sweep the way uh, Daniel Kaluuya, um, he had a clean sweep. So, um, Critics' Choice, um, Golden Globe, um, Best Picture Drama, because they, they split it between the two. So, um there's comedy musical and there's um, drama. So best picture drama, Golden Globes. Um, Screen Actors Guild, there really isn't like uh, best ensemble is like the equivalent is essentially kind of best picture. Um, no Mayland, the cast was not nominated. Um, so I don't really count count that. So, um, but and it also won uh, BAFTA. And then even though it falls outside the voting of Oscar, um, Oscar voting and is also usually the Saturday before the Oscars, but this time was um, virtually on Thursday uh, before the Oscars, uh, the Independent Spirit Awards. So, and it also, mm-hmm. Nomadland was also, um, it, it did well, like with uh, many precursor um, uh, entities like National Board Review and American Films Institute, you know, in terms of their top 10 movies or whatever. So yeah, Nomadland was the darling very early on um, and very deserving. It's just, it's such, it's an extraordinary film in a very simple way. Like there's nothing like flashy about it. But it's just, it kind of really speaks to the human condition and um, just, oh, it's, it's hard to describe, but it's just extraordinarily beautiful. It's such a beautiful movie, especially like the scenes where uh, Francis McDormand's character is just driving and the beautiful score is playing. 
And it's just like, it's kind of like a meditation. Like you just kind of want to be still and just kind of take it in. It's just, it's truly a beautiful film. And so congratulations to everybody, Francis, Chloe, the other producers, um, the actors who were uh, not really actors, but playing versions of themselves, um, including Swanky and Linda May, uh, who were guests of uh, Chloe's and uh, Francis's at the Oscars. So it was nice to see um, two people who were featured in the film um, and their, their way of life was featured in the film so eloquently and just, uh, yeah, I just, I, it's, it's very well deserving. And just in general, like I felt um, that all the eight Best Picture nominees in their own way were deserving um, of winning um, and being nominated. So they all kind of tapped into something very important um, that's going on in the world or going on with people. And um, so, yeah, No Man Land, very very great. And it's on Hulu. So for anybody yeah, listening, it is on yes. Hulu. yeah, it's on Hulu. So watch it. Definitely watch it. And it is also um, being brought back to um, some theaters, including the theater um, here in town where uh, I live here in Anchorage, um, because it won. And that's very typical that studios do that, that they re-release uh, movies that won Oscars, especially the Best Picture winners. Um, so it will be um, in theaters again. So check your local listings, as they say, <laughs> to see if it's actually playing on a big screen. Um, and that, I love that part of uh, Frances Bedorman's speech when she says, you know, um, when people are you know, feeling okay and um, are ready to go to back to theaters, see it on the big screen if possible. And I definitely echo that sentiment that it is yes. truly, um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful movie to see um, in person in a big theater. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said earlier, I think um, that movie just stood up, up above and beyond most other films. Yeah, in definitely. 2020. So, I mean, it was almost a foregone conclusion it was going to win Best Picture. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, now we're going to go into like how you feel about things, right? Right. So, we went over your your predictions, but your favorite film this Oscar season, you said it was A Promising Young Woman. Yes. Right? Yeah. What did, uh, what did you love about that film? Oh, oh boy. Well, it just, um, well, it, it, it was one of those in this, well, again, with 2020 being um, a very odd kind of year or whatever, um, and with the season itself being so extended and in considering films that were released in 2020, as well as 2021. And so uh, Promising Young Woman was a big hit at Sundance in 2020, as was Judas and the Black Messiah at, 20, uh, at Sundance this year. So it was interesting to have two Best Picture nominees that kind of straddled um, years and uh, were big splashes at um, a very important film festival. Um, but yeah, I, I had uh, in Promising Young Woman was was slated to play the you know theaters nationwide before uh, pandemic and before so in mid March when when everything locked down it's like oh no so there were a few lucky people including some people that I follow on Facebook and Twitter and um, the film Twitterverse or whatever that were lucky enough to see it in person at Sundance in 2020 um, and then. You know, abruptly, like we most of us did not have the chance to see it in, in theaters until it came out uh, late last year in theaters on Christmas Day. Unfortunately, I was not able to able to see it on Christmas Day um, because my theater, my local theaters, uh, were here uh, here in town were shut down. We had like a second lockdown, so we opened back up, mm-hmm. and then cases went up again, and then we were locked down again in December. So um, it's kind of like my tradition to uh, take in a double, a uh, triple header actually, uh, on Christmas Day. Um, and I had that on my list, uh, News of the World and Wonder Woman 1984. So those would have been the movies that I would have seen on Christmas Day. But unfortunately, they got postponed until after the New Year. And so I did see them, all three of them, 
um, in the new year. Um, and Promising Young Woman was the last of the three that I did see, and it blew me away. I mean, everything that everybody had, was saying, like, leading up to it, like, oh, you know, this is like, it's going to be a sleeper hit. And I wasn't totally convinced, like, oh, it looks really good. And I, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. And, I'm, and I consider myself a Carrie Mulligan fan. Um, but yeah, everything that everybody was saying about it was true. Like, it, it's like the bee's knees, and it was. <laughs> Just in terms of uh, the, the Oscar winning screenplay, Emerald Fennell screenplay, uh, Carrie Mulligan's Oscar nominated performance. Um, the supporting cast, the look of the film, so like the costumes and um, the hair and makeup and the production design. I mean, everything about it is very, um, in terms of how, and I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, so you definitely do watch it. Um, it's on DVD and Blu-ray now and also um, VOD, video on demand or whatever. So definitely catch it. Um, um, but yeah, it just, it, it, it totally just like, it, it blew my mind and, and namely the ending, which is controversial and people either liked it or didn't like it. I was one of the people who did like it. And I thought it was very surprising and very well done how it was executed. Um, but just overall, like how it, it kind of plays off of like her character. So, um, Carrie Mulligan's character, Cassie, just in terms of how she looks, but yet like what she does. And so it's kind of contradictory. Um, I don't know, I'm not really describing it very well, but it just, it, you know, it just, it was so amazing. It was just so good. So that's definitely like my favorite. Um, and also one of the films I consider the best. So that the two aren't also always mutually exclusive for me. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I'll have a yeah, favorite okay. film that's not necessarily what I would say that is the best. Um, but this is definitely one of those that's a favorite and is the best of 2020 slash 2021 or whatever. Um, yeah, it just, uh, it, it's um, and just in how in terms of um, thematically um, and how it's probably like the quintessential like me too or people are saying post me too but to me me too is still like a thing that's still going on maybe not to the degree that it was back when it kind of became part of our public consciousness back in 2017 and 2018 but it's still relevant and so the me too movement it just it truly speaks to that um, in terms of accountability and um yeah oh just it's 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 just it blows my mind still <laughs> like i've seen it like four or five times and um including it was the last best picture nominee that i revisited um last week for the the oscar movie week mm -hmm. and yeah just watching it over again um seeing it on the big screen again i was like yeah i love this movie <laughs> this movie is everything so yeah promising Young woman by far uh probably my favorite film of this past award season yeah okay now, you have to say what this one is. And I know people always kind of cringe when you ask them this, right? <laughs> yeah. what, was, what was your least favorite film this Oscar season and why? Ooh. And just kind of looking over the ballot. And again, not having seen, um, still having not seen many of the films that were nominated. Um, I don't know. I don't think there was anything that really struck me as like not deserving um, as it has in years past. Um, mm -hmm. and I'll get to that in a bit, but, um, That's no, fine, yeah. yeah, you well, know, I, I really, just like a movie, right? yeah, for, for what, yeah, for once I like, I don't have, uh, in terms of, uh, this, uh, you know, in terms of what was nominated, I really don't have anything negative to say. So I'm, I'm proud okay. to say that, um, and not in the terms of like major categories, you know, like best picture or the acting right, right, or, right. you know, yeah. So no, um, uh, okay. uh, yeah, everything I, it's, it's all, it's all good for me, I would say. Well, then we'll just move on right along to the next question. Then, what was the biggest upset, and was it deserving of the award that it won? Ah, uh, yeah. So let's let's recap, shall we? <laughs> 
So um, yeah, I took some notes on that. Um, and just kind of overall, I, I, I took some notes in terms of um, beginning with the nominations and what was snubbed and what was surprising. So for the nominations, um, I had predicted that One Night in Miami and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom would be nominated for Best Picture. They were not. Um, they were both uh, had been nominated for many awards, important awards, like Best Picture awards leading up to the Oscars. And so it, it kind of made me think like, oh, you know, and many people kind of had them on, had both of those films on their list and ultimately that didn't happen. So like, oh, that's very unfortunate. And to that point, um, speaking of One Night in Miami, Regina King and her feature film debut uh, was not nominated for Best Director. She, um, the one nomination she did with, uh, receive was for, along with Chloe Zhao and um, Emerald Fennell was Best Director for the Golden Globes. So the three of them having three women be nominated was quite, um, quite amazing. Um, but unfortunately, she did not get an Oscar nomination, um, as did Aaron Sorkin. I had him getting in. Uh, he did not for the trial of the Chicago 7. Um, I said the biggest in terms of uh, nomination snubs, and a lot of people are saying this, uh, Delroy Lindo, best actor for The Five Bloods. I mean, yeah. early on, it was just like he, everybody was singing his praises. And then like it, it seemed like the likelihood of his being nominated um, towards the, the end of, you know, what was happening, transpiring during ward season, it seemed less likely that he would be nominated. Um, and ultimately it did not happen, but yeah, that by far for many people, myself included was the biggest snub. Yeah. In terms of nominations. Yeah. In terms of nominations, as far as the surprises among the nominations, um, essentially uh, Thomas Vinterberg for another round, best director. So it kind of like he essentially kind of took the place uh, for lack of a better way of saying that of Regina King or Aaron Sorkin. Um, and of course, like we said before, Lakeith Stanfield for supporting actor and not support for lead actor. Uh, so that was a pleasant surprise. I actually had Chadwick Boseman getting in um, uh, to be a double nominee for um, lead actor for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and then supporting actor uh, for the Five Bloods, as he had been for the majority of award season, including for the Screen Actors Guild. So it didn't make me think, and many people for that uh, matter, that he wouldn't receive um, a Best uh, Supporting Actor nomination. But um, instead, like it, it essentially went to Lakeith Lake Stanfield. And, of course, um, category fraud. <laughs> but, yeah, it is what it is. But, yeah, going back to, um, and now with the winners, um, in terms of snubs and surprises, um, I'll start off with uh, the surprises or the upsets. Um, definitely, um, you know, like, like I said before, it's Charles Chicago 7 not winning anything, getting shut out, as did the Irishman last year. The Irishman was led with, I think, 10 nominations last year, didn't win a single one. Um, Francis McDormand, um, you know, that was a, a surprising win, surprising-ish, I would say, when uh, Colette, again, for Best Documentary Short Subject, uh, Eric Messerschmidt for Cinematography, Fight for You for the song, um, again, a pleasant upset. Um, so yeah, those are the ones that stick out, but of course, of course, um, yeah, Chadwick mm -hmm. Boseman and Viola Davis. So best actor yep. and best actress, um, respectively, had they both won, they would have been, uh, the first two people of color, first two black, you know, actors, um, to win, uh, for the same field, same film for leading categories. And that didn't happen for either of them. And so, um, yeah, uh, and just everything, like just being, shocked to hear that news back in in late august when he passed away and i was just like what yeah. you know i i i it just like what like i uh i it's still like it's still just like thinking that and saying that out loud right now just still gets to me it gets me emotional all over again um and but 
you know, a bittersweet in that he had been recognized, you know, for the majority of award season, deservingly so for both um, Ma Rainey and for um, the Five Bloods for supporting. And so, um, yeah, I just, uh, um, but to kind of bring it back um, in a way and speaking as to uh, the reasons or the thoughts as to why he didn't win, again, uh, the momentum of the BAFTAs with Sir Anthony Hopkins winning and just mm-hmm. even it, for me, like having seen him, having seen um, um, his performance in The Father, I think I think I think it was. Bit, I saw it. I did get to see it on the big screen prior to the Oscar nomination. So it was sometime around mid March, um, and I just remember, especially at the end, it just it got me. And I was thinking like immediately after, and I'm like, "Ooh, this is going to be close. This is a tough one." Mm-hmm. So between him and Chadwick. And sure enough, that's what happened. And then just kind of like after the BAFTAs in, in the midst of Oscar voting, I had heard rumblings, you know, that there were, you know, the Oscar pundits, the, the Oscarologists were all talking, saying, oh, you know, we're hearing through the grapevine, we're hearing from, you know, anonymous Oscar voters or whatever that people know that, oh, you know, like, um, I, I think Chadwick Boseman will win, but I'm voting for Anthony Hopkins. And so apparently there were enough people there were enough voters who had that mindset that ultimately the tables turned. So with, instead of Chadwick barely winning, it was probably Anthony Hopkins barely winning. Uh, and we'll never know because the Oscars don't release any kind of information about, you know, like you know, first, second place, right, third place right. or whatever. Right. Um, so we'll never know how close it was, if it was close indeed. Um, and but, so, yeah, but it just, and it's just how it like ended, like, and how, um, they they switch things around so with best picture not going last and so like the way they the the producers of the show like constructed it and that they set it up for that that it gave us like a catharsis that we didn't get so we were all hoping for that moment and it it didn't happen and i i'm going to read a tweet from somebody um that said the plan was to manipulate us all of us with a heart rending and a heart rending ending and they got owned for it. And yeah. And that's ultimately what it felt like. It felt like a gut punch and it, how it, uh, in the show ended abruptly, you know, with Best Picture not going last. And I'm, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I would say, like, I want Best Picture to be the last, <laughs> the last award presented. And another, uh, I'm reading here, I've got my notes, um, that it's the, the last time the Best Picture, but wasn't the last award of the evening, it was 1972. And that Chadwick mm-hmm. Boseman's widow, um, Simone, Simone Ledward Boseman was there in attendance as prepared to give a speech had Chadwick won and after reading that it got me all over again <laughs> so yeah not to take away anything from Sir I mean he's like a treasure in his own right I mean he could read the phone book and it would be compelling <laughs> right <laughs> you know so and I, I loved his speech that he well you know because he wasn't there so it's like it's a, in terms of how the award presentation transpired um with a picture replacing a picture. So it's like, okay, well, there's Chadwick's picture. There was Sir Anthony Hopkins' picture. And so it's like, we didn't really have a moment that we should have had <laughs> either way with either, you know, Chadwick's widow um, saying something or with, you know, Sir Anthony Hopkins being there in person or remotely from, you know, um, from uh, Wales, who, you know, he lives in Wales. And so I, I like that he posted on Instagram his, his acceptance speech and that he paid tribute to Chadwick and that he was truly genuinely surprised as many of us were. So that was very gracious of him to do that. Um, but yeah, it's still even, you know, it, it's been almost week, and it's still, it's still kind of, it's, it stings still 
you know, it, it's yeah. Um, that's the yeah. Um, yeah. That's the one that everyone's talking that um, I think I said earlier that everyone was talking about. Um, everyone had Chadwick winning that award. Yeah. And then he didn't. And I um, I didn't watch the Oscars. Um, but I usually do like the whole thing at the end. Like I, I'm not the type of person. I don't watch it because it takes a lot of time, right? Yeah. <laughs> I like to read it. You know, who won this, who won that, or, or I'll do the, the live update on Google. Like if you go to Google, they'll just update it live, right? Right. And I remember seeing that, and I was like, oh, whoa, wait a minute now. Yeah. That's a little weird. I because, I mean. Who wins wins. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not like, again like you said, I'm not trying to say anything about um Sir Anthony Hopkins, uh, but um I think it was well 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 understood that Chadwick had given some pretty strong performances in his last uh in his last films. Yes, absolutely. And it was really surprising and I I think it was surprising for most people. And I and I and I don't mean that as a black thing. I think I think um some people who I know who are not black who were pretty surprised he didn't win. Exactly. And that's, that's the majority of people I know as well. I mean, it, it's just, it runs the board. It's not just black people, it's white people, it's other like BIPOC people. It's just across the board. Many people honestly, truly thought uh, that Chadwick was going win and felt that he should have. So for whatever reasons, you know, people's own uh, feelings, either way, uh, for people who did see both performances or people who didn't or whatever. But yeah, it definitely... Um, and just like a kiss, he just seemed like he was such a genuinely good person too. not to say that Anthony Hopkins isn't, but, you know, just like everything that, everything that, you know, especially for us, you know, in the African-American community, what Black Panther meant to, uh, for us and how Black Panther had its own great successes at the Oscars a few years ago, mm-hmm. you know, being the first superhero movie nominated and just like everything it meant for representation and just like, and then, uh, you know, um, and after he passed, you know, seeing um, his speech that he gave at Howard, you know, so everything that kind of um, was replayed or revisited after he had passed away. So his uh, his uh, convincing speech for Howard, um, his appearance, uh, surprising people on the Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon, you know. What was your overall Academy Awards? Um. I guess, I, I, again, in, I'm usually in the minority of thinking this. I, I love the Oscars. I usually love what they do every year. Um, they, I felt they made the best of a bad situation, of course. Um, I thought they did it well, comparatively speaking, in terms of um, like how the Golden Globes did it with Zoom. Oh, that was a disaster. Um, I was just like, oh, yeah, let's never do that again, if possible. Um and, uh, and uh, also with the, I, I, even though it was like Zoom and virtual, I thought what the Screen Actors Guild did, um, with it being succinct and with it being one hour and how they did it, I thought that was well done, even though I'm like, I was at that point over everything Zoom <laughs> with the war shows. Um, and same thing with the BAFTAs, you know, they, they all did mainly virtual things. Um, in terms of having in-person, in terms of, you know, how award shows have transpired, um, not just movie slash TV award shows, but um various you know different um for other entertainment uh the grammys i felt did his best you know how they had it set up um but again at the, the academy uh, motion picture academy they had the luxury of time you know having postponed things um until april until things you know were starting to open back up and everything so um i did love how they um the set so like at union station the opening was great you know having it like be uh, the opening titles you know the credits or whatever movie and having regina king walk in her strutting in that was great um 
the the look at the the set like uh, those lamps the Oscar lamps and if you if anyone's like looking and like revisits the Oscars or whatever and I plan to I I haven't been have a chance to rewatch them but if you pay close attention to like the tables where people were sitting the lamps like the lampshades had Oscars on them you're like oh I I, I need one of those lamps in my life <laughs> I love it um so yeah I just um just in general in in that I I thought they did okay um making the best of a bad situation. Um, I, again, I'm a traditionalist. I like that best picture is last. It needs to always be at the end. So I hope that they, the producers never do that again. As they, and of course, you know, they manipulated it this year um, to have it so that ultimately in a moment that uh, uh, that didn't happen, you know, with best actor. Um, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, let's go back to the traditional way of presenting, <laughs> presenting things with best picture going last. Um, and with, um, you know, like best actor, um, previous winner producing, uh, sorry, presenting Best Actress, um, vice versa. And same thing with the supporting categories. I didn't like the switch up that they did with Joaquin Phoenix, you know, presenting Best Actor and Renee Zellweger presenting Actress. I I like it when it's the opposite gender or whatever yeah. presenting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't like that. So definitely Best Picture at the end and having the previous acting winners produce the opposite gender, you know, award or whatever. I'm I, that's how I like it so and then of course um much was made about um the lack of clips um as opposed to you know like they have the they opted instead for the uh share your your movie love uh stories of how people came to love movies or whatever the the nominees or whatever and I like that to begin with but then it just like it kept going on and on and the speeches ran long and um from what I read uh from various uh websites is that they allowed the speeches to go along in lieu of not having um, the performances, so like the, the nominated songs. So they had that in the pre-show. So that saved some time. Um, mm. So that's why they didn't like have the, like Questlove was you know, the DJ. They didn't have like him cut off, you know, the music or whatever, you know, um, play them off or abuse their mics or whatever. So yeah. that's why speeches were allowed to run long. Um, and speaking of speeches, I, there were some great ones. The highlights for me were definitely um, Daniel Kaluuya, uh, John Batiste, Tyler Perry, you know, in, in accepting the John, uh, Gene Herschel Humanitarian Award. That was great. Trayvon Free, uh, who was one of the winners for um, Documentary Short Subject for Two Distant uh, Strangers. That was great. Yu Jung Yoon, uh, her, and uh, Thomas Vinterberg, even though his was the, probably the longest, it was very long and heartfelt, you know, especially what he mentioned about his daughter who had, uh, was killed in a car, car crash. So that was very uh, that was that was very nice, and also Francis Francis McDormand when she howled, people were like, "Well, what's that about?" Um, that was actually a tribute to uh, the late sound mixer uh, Michael Wolf Snyder, um, who uh, died in March. So that was a tribute to him. So that's for yeah. anybody who's wondering why she why she did that. That's why it was a tribute to him um, that howl. So. Okay. Um, but yeah, just overall, okay. I really loved. I really loved how um, it was just like it's like a really like intimate like awards banquet vibe. Um, I, I really like that. Um, so yeah, overall, um, if I'm giving it a grade, um, just in terms of the overall production and execution of the awards, I would say uh, a B minus. I guess. Okay. Yeah. 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 B yeah. minus isn't bad. Nothing wrong with yeah. that at all. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah. yeah, especially since other people are saying, "Oh no, it was like the worst Oscars ever." Like I'm giving the F or whatever. Like no. You know, they, well, like I said, they made the best of the best. Obviously, the 1973 yeah. Oscars were the worst oh, ever. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're definitely worse. They were definitely worse Oscars than this one. So, um, um, yeah, but it'll be great. But but moving forward, it'll be nice to return to some sort of normal-ish mm-hmm. show again. Mm-hmm. Hopefully back at the Dolby Theater. 
Um, yeah. So, but so, overall, you know, uh, like a, you know. Yeah. B minus. Yeah, yeah B minus. All right. So now we're just gonna dive into like uh, movies in general that have won mm-hmm. Oscars, right? Um, and again, this is about you, so you know, you just just let us know. What is your um? What's a film that you love that you feel should have won Oscar? And it doesn't matter the category, but a film that you think should have won Oscar that never has. Ooh, oh, that is such a tough one. Um, and I've I have like up here folded on my computer, I have a list of all the best picture winners. Mm-hmm. Um ooh, yeah, there <laughs> that is a tough one. Um in terms of what like should have been nominated or what should have like won. Um and again, it's like your pick um, it can be something that was never nominated or something that was nominated, didn't win. Yeah. Didn't win. Uh, oh boy. Um, oh, I know what it is. Okay. Um, because it sticks out in my mind, especially since I revisited it last year. Um, for the I want to say the thirty fifth anniversary. Um, the color purple. The color mm. purple getting shut out of everything, including songs. Like those were, those were some pretty great songs that were in the color purple, and not a single win. So that's what sticks out to me in terms of like it still kind of gets me like ugh like that just like ugh like come on academy you could have done better with that <laughs> um okay. that's what sticks out um for me um uh in terms of snubs um only because it comes to mind right now but there there have been like legendary snubs over the years um but one that sticks into mind is uh well back then she was Robin Wright Penn but now she's just Robin Wright um, that she was not nominated for um, playing Jenny in Forrest Gump. Mm. Uh, she was nominated for Critics' Choice and the inaugural Screen Actors Guild Awards uh, back in 1995, but she did not receive an Oscar nomination. And I know I'm not the only one who thought that. I was like, oh, wow, like, she didn't get nominated? Like, what in the world is up with that? So that's that's one that comes to mind. There, there are certainly other ones that I just, I'm kind of drawing a blank on. Um, yeah. But if we had like more time in another, or another podcast, I could probably like do a deep dive into more research or whatever, and have a more like a better comprehensive list. But those are the ones that come into mind right now um, that really kind of like stick out to me um, in terms of like the Academy like really got it wrong um, in terms of people. Yeah, in terms of um, something that was nominated that didn't win anything, or um, okay. somebody who should have been nominated who wasn't. So right, right, right. Yeah. So okay. So this is a two-part question, or maybe a four-part question, maybe? Okay. What's your favorite Best Picture winner and your least favorite Best Picture winner, and why? Ah, this is a bit easier. This is, because especially now that I'm, I'm looking at the list. Um, so, oh, favorites. There are a lot of uh, what people consider the best Best Picture winners, and I would definitely agree with, um, and just generally the Best Pictures of all time. Um, I would definitely say that, um, like the Godfather, you know, part one and part two are definitely mm-hmm. up there. Uh, Schindler's List, um, Gone with the Wind in its own way, of course, you know, controversy and everything, <laughs> but in its own way, um, Gone yeah. with the Wind is, you know, one of them, like Ben Hur, just like really great classic films, um, West Side Story, which, um, being not being kind of a person who has a love hate relationship with musicals, um, I. I was a bit hesitant, like when the news kind of broke about their the the new film adaptation version coming out later this year, mm-hmm. which is supposed to come out last year by my all time favorite director Steven Spielberg. I was just like, oh, I don't, I'm not feeling this. I'm not. I I don't know about this. But then when they dropped that trailer on Sunday, I was like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> like this looks like it's going to be good. So of course, all due respect to the original, 
but I am after seeing that trailer Sunday, I'm really looking forward to the, the latest version uh, of West Side Story. So um, that's definitely one. The sound, sound of Music, uh, that's another one that I really love. But I think in terms of my all-time favorites, the ones that I, I go back to and revisit on, on the regular and that still stick out to me um, in terms of what they mean to me personally, I guess, um, the best for me, I would say, is Casablanca. It works as it's timeless. It's truly timeless. It works as a war film. It works as a love story. It, um, the socio-political aspect. I mean, it just it works on so many levels, and it's just a beautiful, like the black and white, and it's just it's, it's such a beautiful film. So that for me is, um, I guess my my, my personal, yeah, my personal best best picture okay. winner. <laughs> So what's um, your least favorite? Thing? Well, actually, um, I, I, I'll, I'll end with uh, like a favorite. Not, just, not necessarily what I consider the best, um, but Forrest Gump. You know, speaking of uh, um, mm-hmm. uh, Robin Wright um, and Forrest Gump, um, I love revisiting it um, along with its fellow uh, Best Picture nominees that year, um, The Shawshank Redemption and Pulp Fiction. Um, the, fa- the five nominees that year, year were uh, Forrest Gump, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Pulp Fiction, Quiz Show, and The Shawshank Redemption. So definitely three of the, the five, um, Forrest Gump, Shawshank, and Pulp Fiction. Anytime that they're playing on regular cable, you know, uh, basic cable or whatever, I revisit. But Forrest Gump, it was just like, so, and again, Tom Hanks being my favorite actor. Um, and that was his second um, Oscar win. His first was Philadelphia and then, uh, you know, for Forrest Gump the next year. It's just something that was very um, Capra-esque. So Frank Capra, which he provided us with one of the best films, another best film of all time um, that I love watching every Christmas, It's a Wonderful Life. Um, there was just something so very innocent and just honest and pure and endearing about Forrest Gump. Um, mm. And just in terms of like, you know, that character, like he was a simple man that lived an extraordinary life, you know, and it's just something that's just very um, happy and hopeful, I guess, for lack of a better way of saying that. And that's, I just love, like whenever it's on, like I'm watching Forrest Gump. I just, I love, I genuinely love Forrest Gump. I really do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not going to try to dip your toe into least favorite? Least favorite. Oh! <laughs> well, um, I was doing a little bit of research before this podcast. I haven't seen it. It's on Paramount Plus, so I will eventually uh, get around to it. But what is widely considered the worst best picture uh, winner of all time is The Greatest Show on Earth about um, the circuit, you know, so Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus, whatever. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That's widely considered the worst. Again, I haven't seen it yet, so um, yeah. Okay. Um, but in terms right. of what I do know and what I remember that's in my consciousness in terms of mm-hmm. since I followed the Oscars, um, I would have to say it's Green Book from a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, yeah, just nah, bro. I was really surprised <laughs> by that one. <laughs> like, like, no. I was like, okay. There were just, like, that's there what we I mean, just, in, just not necessarily well, especially uh, given its fellow Best Picture nominees, but even movies that weren't nominated, like um, If Bill Street Could Talk, um, Blind Spotting. There were so many other great films that should have been nominated in place of Green mm-hmm. Book or in some of the, you know. Mm-hmm. And so for, yeah, you're absolutely for, right about that. Yeah, for it to be nominated, not in let alone win, I was like, really? Come on now. <laughs> that was just, yeah, that was just, that's, that's just, no. That, that by far, um, yeah. That for me, like, I, it surpassed Crash. Because I know everybody in there, yeah, their yeah, mother is yeah. critical of Crash, but Green Book replaced Crash in terms of, um, in terms of that win. So yeah, Green Book, hands down. <laughs> okay. All right. So now we're gonna get into let's stop movies. Um, 
I think it was last year, I think, the Academy announced that they were going to do um, inclusion representation standards for Best Picture. Yes. Um, those are long and complicated. So yes, they are. <laughs> I'm not going to read those here, but basically, um, for people who are, who are listening who don't know, basically there are four categories that mean that you have to include some type of um, minority in different capacities in your film. It does not right. have to be on. It does not have to be the actor, but it, you you have to have someone in the cast, someone working on the set, or you have to employ someone in certain stand, other things. You can find them online. They're long because there's four categories. Each four category has, I believe, two um, subcategories for each. So we'd be here all night if I read yeah. them. But <laughs> yes, the the point is that you need to include people of color and women in your films in some capacity and if you don't you're not going to be nominated for best picture right yeah that you're that's a, that it's a pictures that um that don't meet these standards um two of the four i'm, I'm reading them right, right now right you have um, to so, be two yeah, of the four right two yeah. of the four starting with the uh the 1990 uh sorry the, the 96 oscar so 2024 is when this mm-hmm. um takes uh, takes effect and there yeah there are four different standards and so as you said it's it's like underrepresented uh bipoc so um Black, Indigenous, people of color, um, also LGBTQ plus people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, women, yeah, across the board um, across in the terms West. of traditionally underrepresented people, um, some way, shape, or form, um, in terms of the Academy, um, namely how, as it pertains to Best Picture and uh, people on the crew and cast and what have you. So yes, how do you feel about that? Oh, I'm all for it. I, okay. It's, yeah, I, it's, it's been a long time coming. Um, I was pleasantly surprised and shocked just kind of like you know like reading over it um when they announced that back in let me look at it it was uh back in september um when they they implemented this and it's a part of the uh the academy's aperture uh 2025 initiative so again your uh your listeners can read up on that too you can go to the academy uh so oscars.org is where this information lives um and so um it's uh, yeah again like kind of mind-blowing like (laughs) kind of make your eyes glaze over kind of thing but uh nevertheless very important um and i know and of course you know as with everything uh diversity wise there were there was some pushback and you know, i know that mm-hmm. there's like some people in the old guard i had read some articles about you know there um that people in the old guard especially were opposed to it like well i haven't um people who are i guess like grandfathered in uh, so to speak uh mm-hmm. with their academy membership um you know that not having like actively worked in years or um what have you just so but yeah it wasn't it wasn't like the people so the people who this is supposed to benefit weren't the ones complaining about it <laughs> so right. i always find that interesting like okay well yeah like let's, let's look at the people who are complaining about this you know like yeah. okay well yeah it's like you're you've had your time let's so. kind of bring in some other people and it's not necessarily um you know because like controversy about meeting quotas or whatever but it's qualified people so that's the thing like there are qualified people who meet you know because this is the first going back to um juice and back beside it's the first time then all black producing cast um uh producers have been nominated so shaka king charles king and ryan coogler the first time that there have been other times where you've had um a black producer who was nominated amongst you know other like right you know producers or whatever but this is Mm -hmm. the first time that all three all three of the producers were black and so yeah in order to kind of um 
the image that comes to my mind is um, a volume meter, you know, like uh, moving the needle, you know, like when mm -hmm. you're adjusting the volume mm -hmm. or something. So, yeah, the, like the needle needs to move, you know, like it's, it's kind of like teetering back and forth, you know, it's, 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 it's going back and forth, but it needs to move, you know, in, in, in the, the right direction. Um, and in my notes here, I, I have, um, yeah, and, and, and how it, it kind of comes to light is that, especially with, you know, um, everything that's been said regarding, especially uh, Chadwick and Viola Davis not winning this year, um, about uh, Black, you know, nominees particularly, um, and how that plays out and how it seems like Black creatives, so, you know, Black producers, actors, actresses, you know, whatever, are kind of like the de facto torchbearers, as it seems, for ho the Hollywood diversity push. Um, so that we're the ones that, or they're the ones who like carry the burden for other people, you know, other BIPOC people or, you know, LGBT or whatever, um, to kind of um, bring attention to these issues, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and again, like, um, not just the Oscars, but it's it's across the board, because like, I know you've probably seen this, like, um, with the Golden Globes, you know, they haven't had black members in like 20, two, uh, 20 years, two decades. And then also came to light recently that a former president, who is now also a former member, of um, the HFPA, the Hollywood, Hollywood Foreign Press Association, has uh, made negative comments about the Black Lives Matter movement. And so when these things come to light and you think about how they ultimately uh, play out and how they pertain to these diversity initiatives, it shows that it matters. And not only that, you know, in, in terms of the big, the, the big picture, the big scheme of things in terms of award shows and their place and, you know, the public consciousness or whatever, um, and how people say they don't matter or whatever. Uh, my pushback oh, and do. my argument against that is that, well, they do, because if we're saying that, you know, especially all these different entertainment, um, the ways we, we have enjoyed entertainment through the pandemic, you know, we, mm -hmm. we've watched more TV, we've watched more films, we've listened to more music albums, we've, you know, everything across the board. Um, that includes, you know, people of color, you know, underrepresented people who are creating this art for us to enjoy during a very difficult time in our lives. And so mm -hmm. if we're ultimately saying that, oh, yeah, you know, we enjoy like consuming your product, but ultimately with, you know, the recognition, the ultimate recognition of these, um, of these things that we enjoy, if we're not seeing ourselves represented in that somehow, that's a problem, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. sometimes <laughs> you kind of have to have like you have to um, there has to be like you're know, the mom and you're coming out and slapping you on the head and saying, OK, no, this isn't good anymore. You have to you have to change your ways. And so I am all for, you know, they had the Aperture program and um, the push that they've made um, since. Uh, and I loved her when she was uh, the Academy president, Cheryl Boone Isaacs, when she was Academy president um, from 2013 to 2017. I loved in the wake, her response in the wake of Oscar So White um, back in the 2015 and 2016 ceremonies with no, you know, nominees of color in the acting categories. I loved that she um, essentially got this ball rolling um, with um, saying that, okay, we're going to make some changes here. We're going to, in terms of the people that were invited to membership starting in 2016, and you, in a way, I guess you could say that you immediately saw that the next year with um, Mahershala Ali and Viola Davis winning, um, and then just, uh, you know, other, other categories and whatnot, and just um, in recent years, especially last year and this year, in terms of there being, um, I think this year set a record, so there were nine nominees of color um, uh, in the acting categories this year, 
and just across the board in terms of like, you know, with the, um, the hairstylist and just, you know, those kind of firsts and everything. So we're already seeing it. But again, the volume meter, it's still, you know, it's still teetering because ultimately it's like, okay, well, the nominations are one thing, but the wins also have to be another thing. And so that brings me back to Twitter <laughs> and um, some really good, um, just the overall cap. I think this person, um, her name is Rebecca Sun. She uh, uh, writes for The Hollywood Reporter and she did a rundown of the numbers. So here's what she said. So white men, 25, white women, eight, black men, four. Uh, black women four, Latino men two, Latino women one, Asian women three. Um, and as far as Asian women are uh, concerned, uh, Chloe Zhao is counted twice, and her is also counted um, as because uh, her, mo- her mother's uh, Filipino, so she's counted mm-hmm. as in both um, for Black women and uh, uh, Asian women. So mm-hmm. that's the breakdown of the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then another person that I follow on Twitter, his name is Robert Daniels. Um, He writes for various entities, but going back to Chadwick's loss, um, what he wrote, uh, he, he, he wrote several tweets, (laughs) but one of the ones that he wrote to start off with was it wasn't just Chadwick's loss. It was the back-to-back losses by two black actors, meaning him and Viola Davis who were touted as front runners in lead categories, lead categories. It perpetuated the history of voters preferring white performers in lead categories and absolving voters of that. That isn't the route I'd take. That's what he wrote. And so, again, it's like, okay, well, the nominations are there and ultimately wins are there as well. But what are we winning for? We're winning mm-hmm. in supporting categories, you know. So there are right. gains that have been made, but it's like there's still there's still more. And then furthermore, he, he added, um, black people not – winning leads or as directors is like the black head coach syndrome in sports apparently deemed good enough to be the role players but never more than that so it's like whoa <laughs> uh yeah he, he With, really um, oh yeah he really he really got in i'll get got in on that so um mm-hmm. yeah but yeah ultimately um to go back so we have with the inclusion initiatives um yeah i'm all for it um it definitely, uh, in terms of moving the needle forward or whatever, and ultimately panning out in terms of what we see with nominations, not just with the Oscars, but again with the Grammys, the Tonys, uh, the Emmys, what have you, not just nominations, but ultimately who wins. And again, winning in key important categories and leading, you know, those lead categories, like Zendaya won, you know, um, last year, the Emmys uh, for Euphoria, great show, very, <laughs> talk about controversy. Um, great show um but so yeah she was the youngest and the, the, the second after viola davis um uh, black actress to win um and then looking forward to this um for upcoming um like shows like um i may destroy you and uh lovecraft country you know it's just like oh well, i think i may destroy you was was should should have been nominated for this award season. yeah that's what i'm saying like say looking ahead looking ahead yeah, oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm saying, like, look, you kind of in the crystal ball, like, um, but it again, wasn't just, I, yeah, that upset me. If you haven't mm-hmm. seen I May Destroy You, it's oh, a fantastic it's, show, and it, it is. was nominated for oh. nothing, which was it, so odd, yes, yeah. 
Um, it just picked, um, going back to the Independent Spirit Awards, it did win um, a few uh, um, in terms of uh, what they are now calling independent television. <laughs> okay. So it did win some key categories. But, so there's already some, some, some buzz and some preliminary. Uh, but now that Oscar season is over, um, mm-hmm. season is starting to pick up or whatever. Uh, invitations to screeners of different kind of things for Emmy's consideration. So it's like, okay, on on to the next. Um, but yeah, it's it's what it ultimately says with these initiatives, not just with the Academy, but especially with the Academy, um, but with other, you know, like Neris for the Grammys, um, the American Theater Wing with the Tonys, um, the, the Television Academy for the Emmys. You know, it's just like they're all... Um, trying to make these pushes for diversity and having things be more representative. Um, but of course the Oscars, you know, being like a, the grand day of the law gets the most attention and, and like, you know, it deservedly so. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm all for the initiatives. I'll, I'll be glad to see how um, it all plays out in these years um, in terms of like the membership. Um, I know uh, last year, especially, um, they invited 819 people to members. So going back to Sherilyn Isaacs, um, they set the goal in 2020 of doubling their number of women underrepresented ethnic and racial minorities by 2020. And they did that and they surpassed it, actually. So that was the good news. Um, And I think we ultimately saw that with the um, nominations this year. Maybe not actually with all the wins that we were Mm -hmm. hoping to, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to see, but definitely with the nominations. And so with that, with keeping, you know, moving the needle forward ever so slightly every year, you know, so hopefully um, with that, with the, with, with the initiatives, um, the Academy Aperture and with who they invite to, um, to membership. So more women, more people of color, more people from other countries, younger people, <laughs> you know, have, have a, a fresh eye and a fresh take on things. I think that will also help. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely, you definitely see like, oh, you know, what's Green Book, the prime example, how the old guard kind of, you know, that they came through um, in terms of their voting. So that's not likely, I think that's not, like, not likely to happen in the future with, you know, a younger representation and a younger body that is able to see um, more comprehensively in terms of race and, um, you know, LGBT and just, you know, everything. So everything that matters to what people look like, you know, what we, what represents us as people, you know, as human beings, as um, as we live, you know, and, and uh, what issues matter to us and just, yeah, so ultimately it, it does matter. Award shows do matter and it matters how uh, people see themselves. You know, people should and want to see themselves reflected in these, you know, in nominations yeah. and wins ultimately and in major, yeah. major wins. And for yeah. it not to be yeah. another 20 years or however long it's been or the first time in Academy history that these things are happening, it should just be something that's normal, you know, so yeah, Academy, well, well done. Um, I'm very eager to see um, how it all plays out um, in the future, namely with the uh, the Oscars in a couple of years. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah great. <laughs> it's a lot. All it's, right. it's overdue, but I'm glad they eventually came around to it. So yeah. Okay, so I only have one more question for you. I ask everybody this question in the podcast. Okay. What's the title of your autobiography? Oh, my. Oh, wow. Oh, the title of my autobiography. Well, I would definitely have to do, oh, boy. It would, of course, it would have to be movie-related. That's what I'm, uh, mm-hmm. that's my thing. That's my life. <laughs> um, oh, my. 
title of my autobiography. Oh my goodness gracious. You got me stumped on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm open to suggestions. Um, Oh my goodness gracious. Um, And I'm trying not to think of it something like, uh, like what I would want on my like epitaph or whatever, my gravestone or whatever. (laughs) I want to be that morbid. Um, Oh my goodness gracious. Uh, I'm trying to think of something clever and, and, um, Hmm. I well only because it was on songs that I I sent you. Um, mm-hmm. uh, living my life like it's golden. I, that's okay. that's what comes. I just okay, I, there you that's, go. That's a good I can't one. really I can't really think of anything better than that. Um, but, but definitely you know it, it pertains to my love of film and the Oscars and um, yeah, just like you living living a good life and um, yeah that. Yeah. That's living, living, living like you know, all, all way up and <laughs> living your life like well, it's golden. Well, I want to, I, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, this is a great conversation about uh, the the awards this year and about representation in the industry. And I, like I said, I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Yeah, I, I appreciate your invite. And uh, yeah, if, if you want to do it all over again next year, I'm available and I'm willing. All right. So. <laughs> all right. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Cardell. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. I want to thank you for listening. Please subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and share this podcast on social media. It helps. Follow us on Twitter at Ordinary Show Pod. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest a guest, please email us at theordinaryshowpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, I'd like to remind you, there's nothing wrong with being ordinary. Some of the best people I know are ordinary.